Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown 24-7 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me this time is John Fields. John, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Excited to uh, be back back on campus, back in Denton, you know, getting back to some normal in-person type stuff, which has been pretty nice after, uh, well, at least this past spring, I was all online with all of my classes. So yeah. getting back in person for class and interviews and all that stuff has been great. Yeah. Uh, y'all moved in over there. Y'all settled in now. Uh, was, did you have class already? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had class the last two days, just one class each day. Um, but yeah, I'm all moved in, in my apartment. The, uh, AC wasn't working for a couple of days, but got that working now. So feeling good on that. There we go. Good. Yeah. No, this is not the time for AC to go out. That's, uh, that's not fun, but you've yeah, also yeah. been around camp, uh, fall camp for UNT, um, obviously on the ground over there, putting out really good content on the videos on your, on your Twitter page. Um, if you haven't already, everybody go follow John on Twitter. Let me pull up his, it's just John fields zero. So yeah, follow him yep. over there. He puts out great stuff over there. And the one thing that's come out though, before we get into what stood out to you in camp, the thing that broke on, what was it, Sunday night? Is that when it was? I think, yeah, I think it was Sunday night when it was announced Oscar Adaway was out for the season or expected to be out for the season with a torn ACL. Um, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, what does that mean to you? And just how, what was your reaction to that? Man, well, obviously it's a tough loss for them. I mean, Adaway was coming off pretty productive freshman season. He and, uh, Trey Siggers had a lot of the production there at running back. Obviously, Siggers transferred to SMU, and now Attaway's hurt and going to be out. So that's a tough loss in itself. And I think, really, you can talk about the depth in the running back room, and there's some good guys that can step up there. But at the end of the day, I think Attaway is one of those game-changer kind of guys that you can't fully replace what he's going to bring in that way. The big playability and that kind of stuff, you're not going to be able to replace that. So. They're going to have to find that somewhere else, and that's going to be interesting to see where they go for that. Yeah, the the thing that kind of worries me, and they had prepared so much, I think, with – and I don't want to make too much of DeAndre Torrey playing the slot, but that's kind of what they prepared for going into the mm. season a lot more. Like, I'm not saying he was going to play exclusively in the slot, but he was going to play, you know, let's say even if it was 50% of his snaps out in the slot, and he still could do that, but – I feel like with Attaway out, they have to bring him in like a lot more. I don't think him in the slot as like a full-time or even like majority of the time role is something that's sustainable with, I mean, really you only have three other scholarship backs on this roster now with, Ra- I, I can never say his name, Ikaika Ragsdale, Isaiah Johnson, and Keith Jackson. So you have those three and all three of those are either true fresh. I mean, Keith Jackson's a true freshman and then the other two are retro freshmen. So, are we really prepared to just hand over the keys to Ragsdale, Johnson, and Jackson? I don't think so. I think you have to start Tory at, at the running back position, which I expect them to, and kind of just go from there. I mean, you can flank him out once the game gets going a little bit, but Tory has to be the guy that kind of sets the tone just because he's been so important to this offense for the past, was this year three or year four now at this point? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree on that. And that was one of the things when I was looking through sort of returning production and who left. I mean, you lose Trey Siggers, 458 yards. Nick Smith as a senior had 164, who was like the third or fourth back there. So, I mean, you've got Tory coming back. And then Isaiah Johnson's really the only other returning production of any significance from last year coming back now with that away hurts. So 
a lot of unknowns at that position now where you felt like they were maybe pretty deep once it, when you had that away, but now I don't know. Yeah. And I've heard really good things out of camp about Akaika Ragsdale for what it's worth. Yeah. I think Ragsdale uh, is very much in position to get a significant amount of carries this season. Uh, he has really impressed them. He's already built like a running back. I mean, they've started recruiting and this started a couple of years ago, but they started recruiting bigger backs with Ragsdale, mm. Johnson and Jackson. Uh, all three of them are, are, you know, bigger backs. And so they went away from that Nick Smith, DeAndre Torrey, even Trey Siggers, who was a, you know, strong back. He was only, I think, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, so they have bigger yeah. backs. They have backs that are able to kind of carry the load in a sense as far as, you know, what the toll that it takes. So I'm not too worried about them just not having a run game. But coming into the season, at least for me, I was expecting this offense to be a very good run team like I thought this team was going to be you know a run team that could play action hit balls deep to the bush shorter and, and whatnot but I thought a lot of it was going to be based off their run game do, do you did you do you agree with that and what do you think that does this change how the offense kind of operates to you oh I definitely think it does um especially like you were talking about with Tory. Like you said, it looked like he was going to be lining up in the slot a good bit, and now obviously they're definitely going to have to shift him to more running back than they probably were anticipating. Um, and I agree with you when you had the two-headed monster of Attaway and Tory, it gave you a lot of versatility in terms of you could have Tory in the slot and still have Attaway out there. You could do a lot of stuff with motion and on-the-ground game. Now I would say they probably are going to have to go a little more pass-heavy because – from what I've heard, they're trying to get Tory the ball a ton. They're going to have him doing return stuff and that kind of thing as well. So, I mean, the more touches he gets, you know, at the end of the day, that's going to take some wear and tear on your body at some point. So they're going to have to find some ways to go away from that a little at times. I mean, obviously they can make him into a workhorse back, uh, mm -hmm. but the, some of those receivers are going to really have to step up in a big way, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I think we might see a little bit, because remember in years past how they would run those screen passes, they'd run a lot of less stuff to Jalen Darden last year. You know, maybe we see, see a little bit more of that like we did last year, or maybe we see more of it than they intended to coming into camp. I think that's going to be interesting how they supplement the run game. Cause I don't know if it's going to be as consistent. That's my concern. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll, we'll see how, how it plays out. Uh, obviously it sucks for Oscar. I mean, great back. I had him as a top, I think I had him as the number six player on the team and Colin had him as the number three player on the team. We've been, a we've <laughs> been on the Oscar Attaway express train since he committed to North Texas, basically like that, that is, he is <laughs> he's a baller, man. He's great. Um, but now let's get to what else stood out to you in camp. Uh, just, you've been able to be at practice. You've been able to, you know, talk to the team a little bit. Uh, what's, what's been a few of your main takeaways uh, from camp so far? Yeah, no, it's been good. I've gotten to get out there a couple Tuesdays when they've allowed us to get in and have a little media access, get to look at some guys. Um, I guess I'll start in the wide receivers room uh, with Roderick Burns is a guy, a returner who hasn't necessarily made a ton of noise in that room, but a guy who looks like potentially could be stepping into a bigger role here. Um, just somebody that Latrell and some of the other guys have talked up is really having a really good fall camp. And um yeah, he had 12 catches for 161 yards last year. I'd anticipate that being more just from everything that I've heard. Obviously, you can't necessarily completely buy into all the fall camp talk and whatnot, yeah. but I, I could see him stepping into a bigger role for sure at the wideout position. Um, 
Yeah, and he's Lorenzo Thompson. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, so I was gonna say Lorenzo Thompson is another guy at that position too. Um, that I could think I think will probably step into a bigger role. Obviously, he played some DB last year too, but um, I could see him definitely stepping into a bigger role at wideout. Yeah, and the wideout kind of building off what we talked about with the Attaway conversation. If Attaway does, or I'm sorry, uh, if Tory doesn't play in the slot as much, I think that's Rod Burns' kind of job in a sense. I think that could be Rod Rod Burns where we see him thrive in that kind of short, you know, between the sticks types range, uh, five to fifteen yards, where we can kind of see Rod Burns really start to thrive. Uh, I, I like Lorenzo Thompson too. I'm glad that he's having a good camp because I came into this having really, really high expectations for him. Um, I think I told someone that by next year, he'll be the best receiver in this receive in this, on this team. So, you know, this will be, <laughs> this will be a year where I think he starts to break out, even if it's not the year where he completely takes a you know leap forward. I think this will be the year where we start to be like, okay, Lorenzo Thompson, we have a guy here that can make plays with the ball in his hands and can, you know, run good routes is trustworthy on the outside. So I like that. Uh, go ahead. No, yeah, I completely agree on that. Um, obviously it's going to be interesting to see what they can get out of some of the newcomers at that spot too. Tommy Bush, Bryson Jackson, or a couple guys to look forward to step into some roles there. And uh, it, it's a pretty, it's a fairly deep receiver room. I don't know if you have the game changer type guy that you had in Darden, obviously, um, but talking with the coaches, it seems like they're going to look at spreading the ball around a bit more, a little bit more of a balanced attack as far as the receivers go. Um, so there's a lot of guys they can go to there and it'll just be interesting to see who ends up coming out on top there. Yeah. Um, the receiving room, like you said, is really deep. So I, I don't, I, the one thing I did say, I said on Twitter is I'm interested to see how they, how they do spread it around, you know, uh, without darting mm-hmm. on the field, we, we, Last year, we took for granted so much of what Darden gave this team that I'm interested to see how Austin Ani or Jace Ruder, whoever the quarterback is, kind of navigates not having that go-to guy, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, and maybe somebody emerges as that go-to guy, whether that's whoever, Simpson, Shorter, Bush, whoever. Uh, but that's going to be something to definitely, I'm going to be watching for early in this season. Yeah, 100%. Got any more? Yeah, you got any more? Uh, who else you got standing out to you? Uh, let's see. We can go to the D line now. I think, um, a couple guys, obviously Dion Noville is a guy they're going to depend on a lot. And, uh, just wanted to actually got the official weights on the players today. And Noville is down from listed three thirty last year, down to three Oh eight. Now, uh, that was something that Phil Bennett had asked him, wanted to get his weight down so he could be a little more versatile. It looks like he's going to play some more three technique with the four down linemen. Um, not so much the nose, uh, unless they go to some three down linemen type sets, but, um, Obviously, Noville's a guy they're going to be looking to get plenty of production out of there on the inside. And uh, a guy who maybe underwhelmed a little bit last year, I think you could, I think that would be fair to say. And just somebody they're going to need production out of there. Um, yeah. No, I, then, I, the, uh, yeah, go the, ahead. Go ahead. Dion, uh, the first thing Phil Bennett, I've only talked to Phil twice, I think, Phil Bennett twice. And I think the one of the first things he told me was like, yeah, Dion Noville was playing way too big last year. Like he was dead tired by like the, third quarter of every single game like, that was one thing he said to me early on and so to see him drop 20 pounds is not a surprise but that's very very impressive and I, I do agree he had a while statistically he had a good year half of I mean like we've talked about before I mean wait like five of his sacks or whatever the, a major number of his stats came in that rice game 
And so it's yeah. a lot more about consistency this year than it is about just overall production numbers. 100%, 100% on that. There's some other guys on the D-line too who have been interesting. Um, Roderick Brown, the freshman, he's been talked up quite a bit by the coaching staff. Also, Deion Noville mentioned uh, Roderick Brown as a guy who's come in and really impressed him. So I'd look for him to see a pretty substantial role, at least for a freshman pretty early on there. Um, and then Caleb Colvin, as well as a returner on that D-line, he's just played a bunch of snaps for them. Seems like a guy who's going to be a consistent guy getting in there, subbing on and just giving them not too much of a drop off from the starting kind of guys. If he isn't actually out there starting, which I could see as well. Yeah. I've heard Colvin and in, in, in Enoch Jackson. I don't know how to say it. I think Colin said it was Enoch. So I yeah, don't, I think, I, I think it might be Enoch. Enoch. Okay. I'll roll with Enoch. Since, since you said, it, I'll say it's Enoch. Enoch <laughs> Jackson uh, and Caleb Colvin. I've heard a lot about those two kind of battling it out for the other uh, defensive tackle spot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's turned into a more deep uh, defensive line uh, this year with whether it's Cortland Rossall, Kenneth Dotson, uh, Caleb Colvin, like we talked about, Dayton LeBlanc, uh, Rod Brown now coming in, Calvin Hutchins coming in, you know, Cameron Hill coming in, uh, Devontae McRae, who I haven't talked hmm. about at all. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I trust the defense line a lot more now than I did definitely last year before the Murphy brothers came in, so. Yeah, no, I agree on that. And I don't remember who the quote was. It might have been Noville, but um, I think Latrell said the same thing as well. Basically, this is the deepest the defensive line's been there in really a long time. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys play out. Yeah. Have you heard anything about the secondary or the, the linebacking groups? Yeah, the secondary I've heard a little bit. Um, one guy I was looking at that uh, impressed me a little bit, albeit in some limited reps, but uh, Tyree Thornton transferred over from Rice. He, he's looked pretty decent to me in the reps that I've seen um, as far as a newcomer goes. But, um, I mean, you look at the defensive back room, they returned pretty much everybody notable except Cam Johnson, obviously, going over to UCLA. But um, the rest of the guys returning there, I mean, John Davis is one guy who they've mentioned as having a pretty good camp. And uh, I'd expect him to be out there quite a bit. Uh, I think he's fifth year senior this year. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with Mikhail Sanders, I believe another fifth year senior who I think they're going to rely on him a bit. It looks like, but then you've got some young guys in the room too, like uh, Upton Stout. Um, I don't know that Quinn Whitlock, I don't remember what year he is, but he's been mentioned as well. I think he's a uh, as a senior. Yeah. yeah. He's a senior, but he's been mentioned as a guy who could step in and do some stuff. Um, so they've got some guys there. It's just about, how much improvement you're going to see from that group when they lost pretty much their best defensive back in Cam Johnson. And it's basically just coaching up those returners and seeing how much more you can get out of those guys. Plus some of the newcomers. Yeah. The um, it's good to hear. I, I mean, John Davis, I think a lot of people expect him to be the starter at this point uh, with how well yeah. he's kind of played. Uh, obviously Tyreek Davis sliding into that kind of, whether it's a nickel, you know, Sam, whatever type of role it is as a mm. defensive back. Um, I'm interested to see how he kind of plays and if, you know, if he can, cause I mean, going from, for him, it's going from corner to linebacker back to corner. Like not only yeah. is that different roles on, you know, seeing the game and how you're playing the game, but on his body, I mean, that's a different way you have to play different way you have to prepare i mean as a corner obviously you don't have to be as big as he was at linebacker you know you have to be a lot quicker so i'm interested to see how he plays there at um at corner but 
I, I agree with everything, or I, I, at least I've heard everything you're saying, at least in some capacity with Tyra Thornton. Um, I heard some good thing about Harold West, the true freshman as well. Sinke uh, Williams, mm. I've actually heard some about as well. So, you know, this is a, it's, there's, there's enough depth on this defense to where I'm not, I'm not worried about if somebody goes down, they can't replace them. And if like, you know, if, if it gets late in the game, I think they have enough depth to rotate guys to if someone gets tired, they can plug someone in. It's just like you said, it's about fit. It's about the coaching and it's just about making plays, really. I mean, it's this team has a bunch of returners. So are the returners going to be better just because they got experience? Sometimes I get caught up in that. And I think a lot of people get caught up mm-hmm. in that like, oh, they're they're year back. They're year better. All right, but last year they were the worst defense basically in the country. So, yeah. you know, are they going to be good enough to help this team um, win, win games this year with the schedule that they have? So that that's interesting to me. Um, anybody else on the offense you've seen or, or heard anything about? Yeah, I mean, we could go to the offensive line with um, Casey Mareka. Got a trans- he transferred in pretty late in the cycle from a Trinity Valley Community College, was at Northern Colorado before that. But he's a guy I could look at as potentially stepping into a starting role there alongside, obviously, some of the mainstays with Brammer, Mose, Cole Brown, and those guys. But, um, you know, the offensive line, obviously, they've lost a guy or two. They lost Antarius Gray, who was a starter in all eight of his appearances. But to me, I think they bring back enough in that offensive line room that they should still be fine. And that was a big part looking back at the running back room where you could be pretty confident in them being able to run the ball with everything they've got coming back on the offensive line. Obviously Attaway being gone hinders that a bit, but um, yeah, you, you got to feel like the offensive line is still going to be a strong suit on offense, which was not the case, you know, a couple of years back. So definitely yeah. a refreshing thing to see. Yeah. This, the offensive line, I'm still, I've we've I've said on this podcast a bunch of times before. I'm the offensive line should be top five in the conference. Like that's mm-hmm. that's my standard for this team. And I think last year they were top half, so top seven, top six in the conference. And this year they should be just as good, if not better. You return pretty much everybody. Uh, Brammer is expected to be one of the best tackles in the conference. Mose should be one of the best centers in the conference. Cole Brown and, and uh, Dazon Carroll should be solid players. And then you slide in somebody at that left guard spot, whether it's Casey Mareka, whether that's, you know, Jet Duncan, whether that's whoever that is, Daxton, I mean, John Brunner, throw it in name, Gabe Blair. I've heard really, really good things about Gabe Blair has put on a show, I guess, apparently. I mean, he is, yeah. everybody I've talked to has been like, Gabe Blair is a dude. So, you know, whoever they throw in there at the other guard spot, I trust. And, like you said, that should make things a lot easier for the running back, the running game and the running backs. Hopefully that makes it easier for the quarterbacks as well. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then also, I mean, I want to touch on Jake Roberts, who I've heard um, has played pretty well in camp at the tight end spot. I mean, a lot of the tight ends, like Varkey's gums as well. Another guy that I've heard good things about, but uh, what, what are you hearing about the tight end room or those guys? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously you got Jason Pirtle coming back, fifth-year senior, was honorable mention all-conference last year. So you figure he factors in in some uh, fashion. But, yeah, I mean, Jake Roberts, man, just a big dude, real big-looking tight end. I mean, even makes Varkey's gums look a little small, and Varkey's gums is a big dude too, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So both of those guys I feel like are going to be, you know, they're going to have a role in some form. Jake Roberts, I think – 
is poised to step into a big role. We'll see how that pans out. But um, Marquise Gums is a guy that I think they'll bring along a little slowly. He might have a little bit of a role to step into, but I don't know how much Latrell and um, Blesh now as the offensive coordinator are going to want to utilize tight ends in the past game and that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see where they find the balance with that. But there's definitely plenty of talented dudes in that room. So it'll just be a matter of how they want to utilize them. Yeah, no, that is a, that's an underrated point. I don't think a lot of people are talking about is that how much will Blesh change the offense this year? It's something we talked about when it first um, was announced and Latrell actually said it on, on our podcast, whenever uh, he was on it, he was like, yeah, we're blessed. He's going to have play calling duties ever since then. It's like, okay, what does that mean? Exactly. You know what, how different is it going to be? I, I can't answer that yet. And we'll just have to see um, what he does. If, if anything different here moving forward. And, and now he has to deal with Attaway being out. So it's like, you know, yeah. you don't, don't have JD anymore. You don't have Oscar Attaway anymore. Good. I mean, let's see. Let's see. Let's see what he's got. Um, let's see if there's anything else here. Uh, we can move on to the scrimmages now. Uh, we'll kind of touch on them real quickly, even though we kind of, I think, covered a lot of it with what the last 20 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever that was. Uh, the defense and Phil Bennett has gotten a lot of praise over these scrimmages. Mm-hmm. And I really want to buy it, but I don't know if I can. Are you buying it? Oh man, it, it's tough. It's tough. Right. Because even, even today got to talk with Latrell, got to talk with a couple of the DBs, Mikhail and John Davis. And I mean, all of them are completely sold on this defense, the defensive backs in particular being a lot better than they were last year, but man, with, with the personnel they've got going on, obviously they've brought in some impact guys on the D line and the D line looks like it should be fine. But I mean, in that defensive backfield, They've got a transfer or two coming in, but really it's the same guys coming back. And that was one of the weaker points on the defense. I think you would be fair to say. So definitely, I don't, I don't really know. I don't think, I I guess I'm going in with some cautious, cautious optimism because I think these guys can't be much worse uh, defensively than they were last year. So you think it can only go up. I've heard good things about everybody adjusting to Phil Bennett and really buying into what he's doing, but I'm still a little cautious on, on the defense. I, I think it's a wait and see kind of deal for me. I, I agree. I, I, this, this will be one thing that I think is kind of uniform across the board for every team in the country, just from being here at, uh, with Louisiana, uh, with LSU the past few weeks and talking to them because they're kind of in a similar boat as North Texas, as far as their defense was really bad last year. And, but the difference was with LSU is it felt like an outlier because obviously in 2019, they won the championship. So it's like, you're like, all right, 2020 happened, right? The, whether it was COVID, whether it was injuries, all this stuff, LSU had a really bad defense and North Texas had a bad defense as well. I mean, both of them had bad defenses for their conference. Both were like bottom in their conference. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm understanding where the players are at for both sides here because both sides have been like, we've gotten a lot you know, we trust the coaching staff more. Uh, we're in better position. There's a lot more chemistry here. You know, we know what we're doing, all this stuff. The one thing I, I and while I believe both of them, I believe LSU and North Texas will be better at defense this year, significantly better. Like, I think both of them will take significant steps forward here. The one thing I do want to caution fans is last year was a COVID year for everybody. 
right? So everybody had players out. I mean, we saw Southern Miss, Charlotte, all the teams North Texas played also had uh, significant offensive players out too. Coming into this year, all those offenses that North Texas are going to play also have a full offseason, have a full spring, Mm -hmm. have full health. So the offenses, in theory, should be better than the offense they played last year, right? Like this isn't just, you know, the offenses from last year have plateaued as far as, you know, what they're going to face. Like let's say they're the offenses they played last year were like a seven, right? Let's say last year was a seven. They're not going to be playing a seven again, like like if we just take the averages, right? Mm. A, the schedule is crazy. Those oh, yeah. six, that six-game slide, uh, at least six-game stretch is crazy. And then I just – you look at every team, like, they're going to be better. They're going to be better than they were last year because almost every team now feels more comfortable than they did last year. And so going into this year, I'm just very, very cautious that to – sing the praise of a defense just because they feel better. Every team in the country is going to feel better this year than they did last year. Like that's just how it goes. So that's where my caution lies. I, I believe everybody who says that they feel better and believe everybody who said they are going to be better, but the offenses that they play are going to be better too. So how how does that work itself out? I don't know yet. But that's that's the one thing that I've started to kind of come around on. So that that's my kind of take on it. And I don't know. So that leaves me in a kind of even more ambiguous place than you are, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough, right? Because, I mean, naturally, everybody, you always want to be optimistic and you want to be like, yeah, these guys are going to be a lot better. But, you know, it, I guess only time really will tell. And I think what you hit on with the schedule may be the biggest part of it all because they could be a lot better defensively and still with that six-game stretch after Northwestern State. I mean, man, you got SMU. It might not matter. Liberty, Missouri. Yeah, it might not matter at all, even if they are much better because the teams they're facing are going to be crazy. Like, Liberty might be the best team on that schedule. Yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, And that's what makes it so exciting is because it's like there's no more of this like, all right, let's wait and see, period. It's going to be like, all right, Northwestern State happens, and then you are immediately thrown in the fire. And it's like, yeah. all right, sink or swim, what are you going to do? Because you, you, can't, you can't come out of that stretch two and five. Like, you got to be like three and four, which means you got to win two of those games. And so that's what makes it a really interesting thing because we'll know. We will know real quick after the Louisiana Tech game, after the Marshall game, we'll know if they're legit or not. So – that's that's why I'm excited for, for this. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how they 100%. do. percent Well, and I was gonna say too, even some of the games where you feel like you're playing a little bit of a lesser opponent, like Southern Miss and Rice toward the end of the season, you get them on the road too. So there's not really after the Northwestern State game, I don't know that there's an easy guaranteed kind of win on this schedule. I mean, even UTEP is probably gonna be better. Yeah, no, UTEP, yeah, UTEP will be better. Uh Rice, I mean Rice might be picked ahead of North Texas by a lot of people in yeah. like, around conference Tuesday, like rice is going to be is going to be solid at the very least uh southern miss i i think will take a little step back um utep like you said and uh but then again you got utsa in the season so there it is um all right what else we got here oh here's one question i have we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this have your expectations changed at all after the past few weeks of fall camp well first of all we haven't talked on a podcast before. What were your expectations like over mm. the summer and stuff? What were you, were you at like five and seven type wins? Were you at like four and eight, what, six and six? What were you thinking? 
Yeah, it, it's tough for me when I look at that schedule because depending how they come out, I could see them going anywhere from, I mean, three and nine, four and eight to something like seven and five, eight and four at best case scenario. You know, I think there's a lot of ways that this season can play out just depending on how all these changes and how all these guys end up fitting in. But if I'm picking, if I was picking, you know, coming into the season before all this fall camp stuff, I probably would have picked them to go four and eight, five and seven, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's just not, especially with that non-conference slate outside of Northwestern state with how tough that is. There's not really a ton of games. North Texas is going to be picked to win. Yeah. Um, and so what has camp done for you? Has it made you more confident in this team? I think so. I, I think I'm cautiously more optimistic in the defense for sure. And I definitely feel good. Um, even today, I got to talk with Austin Ani and Jace Reuter and Reuter seems like he's made the adjustment. Well, I think they're going to be fine at quarterback, whoever ends up taking the job. I just think it'll be good if they can get that one consistent starter out there, you know, um, just give one guy the reps and not have that fluctuating back and forth, how it was last year with being an Ani, obviously, but, um, I do. I feel better about this team now. I think that I've been around, seen some of the guys. And uh, I mean, I could see a five and seven, six and six type year, get to a bowl game kind of deal. Um, And even a little better than that, if it really pans out. But I mean, man, running the gamut of that early schedule, that's going to be tough. Yeah, I I feel like it's made me. I feel like it's made me a little more optimistic. I found myself just like, okay, this team, you know, can actually be consistent. I think that's one thing I had real concerns about because they've been so inconsistent the last two years. If they find a little Mm. consistency, I could definitely see six and six. I'm not going to make my prediction yet. Just like, I'm not going to ask you to make your prediction yet, but um, (laughs) I I, I could see, I can see it a little more clearly now than I could before. Before I was probably sitting at a strong mm, four or five wins. Now I'm, I'm leaning a little higher up here. So, so, and maybe that's just, fool's gold but you know we'll see we'll see how that plays out the one thing though i realized as you were talking is we didn't even talk about the quarterbacks we completely buried the lead <laughs> which is probably what a lot of people got on here to t- hear us talk about like who's going to be the quarterback we didn't answer that for however long we've been on here so yeah. um ha- what has fall camp been like for the quarterbacks what have you heard what have you seen just give us a rundown there well sure i mean to start obviously uh Ask Latrell about that today, and, you know, they haven't settled on anybody. You'd assume they'll settle on somebody, and it'll get announced when the first step chart gets put out kind of thing, who's going to start against Northwestern State. Maybe they do a co-starters thing again, but um, I don't know, man. I've seen good things from both of them, both Ani and Reuter, I think. Uh, And Cason Martin definitely looks to be the third-string guy there at this point. But um, I think we've seen good stuff out of Ani and Reuter. Saw some good balls. Uh, I don't remember. It was a Tuesday or two ago, but um, got to see them throwing some deep balls to the corner of the end zone at times. And both of them seemed like they could put it on guys pretty good, um, albeit a little inconsistently. But uh, I mean, that's to be expected with anybody, I think. Yeah. So I feel I feel okay about either of those guys guys at quarterback. I think. Um, but it will be interesting to see how it shakes out. I don't really have a prediction at this point because I don't know that even the coaching staff knows where they're going at this point. Physic- physically, how does Reuter look next to Ani? Does he look bigger than Ani, or do they look about the same size? Um, I, I think I'd call him about the same. I don't, I don't see a huge size difference between the two of them, I don't think. I don't remember. I'm, I'm, looking, at the, I'm looking at the roster. Yeah, I'm going to see what they're listed at right now. <laughs> Let's see. 
Yeah. So Ani's listed at six two, and then Reuters listed at six three two twenty eight. Ani's six two two sixteen. So Reuters got a little size on him, but not too much. I was in, I was interested about that. I I, I didn't know because. Uh, I know Reuters a really good athlete, but I mean, obviously Austin Ani's a good athlete with the way that, mm. uh, I mean, played baseball and I mean, he was drafted for God's sakes like this is, he's a good athlete. So that's interesting. Um, I mean, we, we still, so we still don't know anything about the quarterback position. Basically. We, we don't know who it's going to be. Yeah. <sighs> that's tough. That's tough. That's <laughs> tough. I, I don't know. I I'm interested. I, I, I don't know because I, I don't think, they're going to make a decision by, by week one, just off of knowing Seth Luttrell and this team. Like, I feel like it's just going to be probably co-starters run it, roll them out there at Northwestern state. Someone probably Austin Ani is going to go out there and start the game for Northwestern state, play mm-hmm. a quarter, maybe play the first half and then Ruder will come in and they'll get pretty much the same amount of reps. And we'll, we'll leave that game knowing nothing. And then we'll come back and the SMU game will basically tell us everything we need to know like that that'll be it so and hopefully from there they get an answer and we can go from there but you know it, yeah, it'll be tough 100 i don't know 100 percent on that um and if you if you do want a little optimism on Ruder coming in got to talk with him today talk to latrell about how he's been adjusting and i think latrell said it's the fastest he's seen a guy really pick up a system and really get adjusted like this so Ruder's definitely i think given on a run for his money um, but Latrell also said, obviously, that Ruder getting better like that has helped Ani improve as well. So you can't read it terribly much into it, but it, it is promising to see how quickly Ruder adjusted. It seemed like he got in over the summer and was able to get a lot of individual work in with the wideouts, build some chemistry and that kind of thing, um, and just get adjusted to these guys. So yeah. I don't think Ruder's behind by any stretch. It's just going to be about... Um, you know, who ends up showing up and really taking the job. Yeah. Coming out of the first scrimmage, I even heard Ruder was looked better, like in the first scrimmage, second scrimmage. I didn't hear that as much. So I'm assuming second scrimmage, it went a little differently, but Ruder coming out of that first scrimmage, I heard really, really good things about. So he's, he's there. He's ready. He's ready to go. He's in the competition in case people thought it was just not going to be a competition. It's a competition. So well, John, that's all we got for you uh, today. I appreciate you coming on, man. Again, uh, I'm looking forward to your coverage of this season. And again, you, we could, you can follow John at John Field Zero. Is that correct, John? Yeah. Yeah. John Field Zero on Twitter. Good. Um, John Field Zero on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. Follow us on Twitter at Mingerange247. And John, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's it's an exciting time, man, because everybody's still undefeated. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you all later.